<clears throat> fascism is a name that was given to the political movement that arose in Italy under the leadership of Benito Mussolini, who ruled that country from 1922 to 1943. Nazism, a similar movement led by Adolf Hitler, uh, was Germany's dictator from 1933 to 45. It's considered by most observers to be a variant of fascism, as to a lesser degree is the militaristic government that controlled Japan from 1940 to 45 and the phalangist movement led by Francisco Franco in Spain when the fa fascists there, with the military aid, by the way, of the Italian and Nazi fascists, took over after a protracted civil war. There are similar fascist or self-avowed fascist movements, but less successful ones arose in Eastern Europe and in Great Britain, the United States, France, and other Western industrial nations' movements. Some of them... All right. All right, but welcome back, guys. Episode two. Episode two. Welcome back to Bread for the Proletariat. Um, today we will be talking about fascism. What fascism is? What fascism isn't? Um, the many forms it takes. And um, yeah, I hope you stick around. And we'll yeah we'll compare and contrast different the way it's shows out in the world i guess um but yeah and i hope you enjoy um we will start off by i sorry i don't have the name of the website so i am very sorry but this quote from this website um when i was researching this topic um so the fascist the fascist movement is usually on the rise in situation of political and economic crisis with a specific mandate to train the dissatisfied rebellious masses, docile or even enthusiastic servers of capital. At the same time, the dispossessed people and their capitalist owners must be convinced that no one can defend their interest better or more consistently than the fascists. Antagonistic interests are to be harmonized. The program of the fascist movement in, the respect, in this respect resembles to one of social democracy but its methods are brutal and primitive. The basic method of fascism is to combine open terror with social demagogy, which promises material recovery and growth to the masses. The terror rides on the basest instincts in order to tread both the left and the democratic and liberal wings of the bourgeoisie. But if necessary, the proletarian and the petty bourgeoisie groups are groups of the fascist move of the fascist movement itself as well if the social fulfillment of promises were to were asked for for accountability the special cha special task of the terror is a psychological function intertwined with the task of politics namely to divert the social anger of the masses from the real responsibles to the most vulnerable elements of the population whom are chosen as scapegoats Good shit. It's a bit of a mouthful. So pretty much what's what that is breaking down is fascism is a revolutionary sounding appeals to the masses who are rightfully angry, you know, whether it be in a political and economic you know, situation where, you know, shit's, it's a crisis. Right. So it's not like things are good. You know, things are bad. It could be things are too expensive. You know, housing, rent, food, pretty much survival is not good. So it makes a revolutionary uh, sounding appeal. With along with reactionary class politics, so it 
promises to uplift, you know, the masses of people, the working masses out of their situation. But at the end of the day, it's not helping them. It's helping like the rich capitalist class. So that's pretty much what he says. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Fascism. It's some, it's a complicated subject. Not even complicated. Honestly, it's, it's pretty straightforward. I want, you know, but I feel like it's only complicated just because I feel like people misconstrue it too often. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's conflated with other more democratic things, mm-hmm. uh, more democratic ideologies, i.e. inserting in big letters Stalin's face. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just com- conflated, and we're just going to go through different aspects. Where the rise of fascism in World War II, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about just different aspects, and also modern fascism too, and like... Uh, um, in places like um, Brazil, Bolsonaro's fascist Brazil, um, and fascist Hungary as well. Um, I didn't get anything on the Philippines, but if you did. Oh, on the Fili- Oh, I mean, in terms of modern times. Um, well, I mean, if we're going to go through the history first. Let's go through the history. Um, pretty much, I guess, with fascism. Uh, the founder of fascism, born in 1883, El Duce, Benito Mussolini. He was the son of a blacksmith. He was originally a socialist prior to World War One. Mm-hmm. However, let's not misconstrue this as the inevitable form of socialism. The Mussolini before World War One wasn't the same Mussolini after World War One. So that's let's get that out of the fucking way first of all. Secondly, okay, he got you know pretty much uh, he was a rugged individual. As soon as the rich capitalist class tempted him with a shit ton of money, tempted him with promotion and recognition and a promise of power, the dude switched sides was not for the people. He's an opportunist. That is a characteristic of a fascist. Right. So, secondly, many of his comrades in the socialist movement, you know, suspected he was an opportunist, secondly. Um, and so there's many criticisms of Mussolini, uh, you know, while being a socialist. And then, you know, we can obviously see the temptation succumbing, you know, his mind, uh, you know, after they, you know, they tempted him with all that shit. Um, you know, he used to actually organize strikes for workers and peasants for better wages, eight-hour days, etc. He was, you know, originally before World War One, he was part of those movements, and then, uh, you know, after World War One, he pretty much uh, writes the fascist manifesto, um, and you know, starts you know calling him the leader of the fascist, calling himself the leader of the fascist movement, and so like before, so we're right now we're talking about the period between World War One and World War Two. Right. So. Um World War One ends, and is it what it's called the the Treaty of Paris? I think it was the Treaty of Versailles. I thought Treaty of Versailles was World War Two. Okay. However, there's like a hundred of treaty treaties of Versailles, if I remember correctly. Treaty of Versailles one. Versailles one. Okay. Treaty ending. Yeah, Treaty of Versailles. Oh, it is a Treaty of Versailles. Okay. So post Treaty of Versailles, right? Uh, Versailles. So Italy is fighting World War One on. What, what what were the powers called? Um, don't know. They they called themselves. They weren't. They didn't call themselves Axis powers in World War One. They called themselves. Entente. Yes. The Entente. So, yeah. So they, they first were on the. the, no, no, not the Entente. That's the, the bad. Oh, is it? Well. Whatever. Regardless, they were on the bad side, right? They weren't. They. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna call them the Axis powers. I don't care, cause it's the same people all over again. World War One, World War Two. It's the same people. It really is. So World War One, right? So that that they uh, the M- the monarchy 
in uh, Italy is part of the Axis powers. However, they end up flipping the script. Central powers. They end up flipping the script last minute and joining the Allies. Um, because they didn't want to be. They really just they didn't. They just didn't want to be obliterated. They that was that was it. They just didn't want to have their asset their asses handed to them. Is all. Um, so they end up joining. However, in the Treaty of Versailles, they just didn't end up getting everything they wanted. They wanted more land. They wanted to grow. Quote right. But for what? Capital investment. Capital fucking investment. Keep in mind that's gonna be that. Keep that word in mind. Capital investment. So they don't end up getting what they want, right? I mean, you have socialist Mussolini, quote unquote socialist Mussolini, right? Um, he comes because he's a World War One vet. So he comes back and he sees that well, um, Italy isn't getting what it deserves, quote unquote, what he thinks Italy deserves, and what the Italian people think they deserve as well. Um, they they don't see that, so that's when he seizes that opportunity to move forward to thinking more of like, well, we Italians deserve more because we are the better culture. We are the better people. We deserve so much because of that. And that's when he gets kicked out of the socialist um, party, the workers party, because they're like, uh, no, shut the fuck up. So yeah, internationalism was a key part of the socialist movement at the time. I mean, nationalism after World War One, we have to understand that to the socialists, the position was they were not for World War One at all. The socialist and communist movement were against the, the World War One, mainly because they saw it as a war between the imperialist nations. The rich capitalists of each nation wa- wanted to fight the other capitalists of rich nations. Right. Yeah. And exactly. And before he actually even went into the war, um, he he believed he believed the war was just. And so that should say that should speak for itself in that regard. Uh, but yeah. And so that's pretty much he, he goes through this whole shift after the war. You know, uh, it's pretty much like. You know, it's it's the same common central theme in fascism, that there's something missing in your country and not not that there isn't something missing. Obviously, the problem tends to be economic and economically and politically. Uh, you know, people are suffering in that in that regard. So it's not like there isn't an actual problem, but the problem you know the the root of the problem tends to get misconstrued and mm-hmm. um, you know mis- disregarded. Um, right. They they think they it, the fascist movements really start by thinking that the, the that they themselves have been robbed of their essence. Right. Like in 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 short words, so everyone can understand what what Benito Mussolini was really promoting was make Italy great again was really what he was promoting. He wanted to make Italy great again because he felt like Italy was robbed during the Treaty of Versailles, which it can be up to debate if they were or weren't. I mean, y'all, y'all were on the wrong side to start with, with, to begin with. Don't even come and, at us. And they wanted to, to shift. They they wanted to flip the script last minute. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the central theme of, like, we need to be great again. We've been robbed of who we are. So in in Mussolini's um, Italy, right, he blamed it on on the outside world, really, of the the Treaty of Versailles. He wanted to change the Treaty of Versailles. He that's what he stressed a lot in. He blamed the communists, um, since he kind of was one. Um, he 
Well, they blamed them mainly just because they were in opposition to the war in mm-hmm. the first place, and so they didn't support their nation in becoming the best one, and so they felt like they were traitors in that regard. Yeah, so that's that's who he really shifted the blame to. Um, on that's that's the really the difference that there is between him and and uh, and Hitler um, was that. Mussolini blamed the communists. No, not even then. Honestly, like I, at least based on the research that I did. Um, so, um, I feel like to a degree they they both. I mean, not even to a degree. They they both have anti-communism in them. No, that's, no, right, right, right. They do both have anti-communism, and that's that's one of the one of the pillars I of fascism. It, with Mussolini, that was. But it was hard. There was like no Jew. It exactly. Was, that's what I'm trying to say. That there was no Jew. There wasn't a blame on the. On like the, another minority. On it, another minority except the communists and the working mainly, class. Mainly, mainly. And, um, yeah, just so just to continue to go pretty much through the history. So, um, you know, after World War One, he becomes pretty much, he, de- he dedicates himself to fascism. He writes the manifesto, and he starts forming these squads. Um, in Italian, it's called Squadrismo. Um, and it's consistent of Italian fascist squads who... Um, Typically, you know, um, yeah, it's just like random people in local areas. They just get together and uh, they start mainly um, breaking up strikes, you know, beating up the participants in those strikes, um, you know, and they mainly just because they do blame the, you know, the working class labor, uh, you know, so pretty much if we're considering um, the sides of where fascism lies and who it supports and who it's against, capitalism always supports capital over labor. It always is going to support the right to private property over, you know, the right to organize, the right to strike, and, you know, the right to fight for higher wages. Uh, and we can see that in the history books. And, you know, there's so many uh, texts online. I would fuck a book. Fuck a history book, I should say. Not fuck a book, but fuck a history book in America. They're not going to give you all the information. You are going to have to do this research online. And you're going to have to trust what the fuck you're reading. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, realistically, um, yeah, and so eventually, you know, after he gets enough attention by these capitalists, because uh, that's pretty much who he's, he's, you know, selling himself to. He's like, yo, like, I'm here to fuck these people up on your behalf. And these people, these rich capitalists, these rich industrialists and the big landowners in Italy, they started to take notice. And so they start giving him a shit ton of money, start funding his, you know, his little fascist goon squads and shit. Um, and, yeah, he pretty much just goes around Italy and, uh, you know, breaks up unions. And whenever there's a strike, him, him and his squads go out and they f- fuck people up um sounds like a lot like fucking proud boys if you ask me calling you out come fuck me up i'll fuck you up first um anyway um but yeah pretty much sounds like a bunch of proud boys you know going to a fucking meeting you know where whatever left wing left wingers are quote you know um and they just go just to fucking agitate and just to start a problem and that's literally what these people did too uh and except you know back then you know it, it was real people this is not like how we have now where, like, one person gets punched and the whole world flips out. No, people were dying. People were getting killed, being murdered by these people, and vice versa. Don't get me wrong. We needed to take our fucking, our own, you know, we look out for our own in that regard, um, you know, just like they did. And so, realistically, though, this is, you know, this is not the times of then. And so, like, but these people were fucking brutal. We're so brutal, like, it was just disgusting, really, of, like, of him and... So, um, I mean, what where were you going to next? Well, I was just going to say pretty much like after he saves the money from the rich capitalists, you know, he starts creating his platform. Uh, you know, they, he starts getting more of a national attention from, uh, you know, a larger section of the Italian population. And realistically, it's the people who tend to support Mussolini. It, 
yes, there were working masses of people, but the people who really supported him, who really gave him the gumption, were the ricks, were, were the rich fucks. You know, the people with the money and. The, yeah, yeah, that's 100% true. I mean, once he had his first march, right? What was it called? The March on Rome? They planned that shit. The March on Rome was plan- was very well planned in the moment like he 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 led that, right? He the the government the government, quote unquote, right? Because they what the government Italian parliament? the Italian parliament, right? Because it was filled with a bunch of filthy capitalists. They saw him and like him. That's who we. That's who we're making the face mm-hmm. of Italy now because well, the the monarchy was falling apart. Yeah, I forgot. I forget the name of the senator at the time, but he says, "In quote, Mussolini is the candidate of the plutocracy, the meaning the the wealthy, the fucking rich people." And so, in that regard, let's go back to the march on Rome. So they all, the bankers, uh, the business associations, the huge, uh, you know, industrial capitalists who own like the metal industry. And these big industries that are, you know, dependent on consumer buy- spending power. So during this whole time in Italy, they're going through economic crisis. Profits are declining. Uh, you know, um, what's what's really going on? Fuck. Where are my notes? Anyway, so profits start to decline. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, th- it's just an, a big, huge economic crisis yeah. is what it's what the it's what's going on in in Italy. Um. You know, people are losing jobs, right? Because there's all those, those those strikes. Because, well, fuck, who's who's who'd rather get the money, right? Yeah. Who rather who'd rather Capital get the money? Order. Exactly, right? The CEO doesn't give a fuck. Okay. So, back to the fucking notes. So the profits were declining. The banks were failing. So pretty much the banks were lending people money, and people couldn't pay them back. So the, pretty much what happened in 2008. Uh, or, you know, pretty much or leading up to 2008 and then leading up to the Great Depression. And, oh, shit. Every fucking recession after that. Um, I don't know. Maybe you should look at this fucking entire system. But pretty much, you know, uh, and and uh, also unemployment was rising and there was no benefits uh, for people who were unemployed. So people were just pretty much starving. And in, you know, capitalism, you're not fucking independent, dude. You're not independent. You, you don't have to, uh, you know, you can't just go and take any land and just start farming just because you want to. And, uh, you know, either way, that takes time to grow your own food. You might die beforehand. So, you know, people were, you know, it was a shitty situation. Uh, and so what did the big capitalists have to do to save their profits, save their pocketbook? They had to cut wages of their workers. So that means they would increase profits. Because you have to understand, any money generated in a business goes into an account, right? And in that account, you have your wages. And then you have anything else that your boss doesn't have to pay. That's his fucking payout. So guess what? If at the end of the day you and your fucking company make a hundred thousand dollars, but your boss's payout is only forty grand, that fucker made sixty grand off of you and the company. Okay, so these businesses had to cut wages and raise their prices. So what did the, so what did it do? Uh, what did the, what was the the state's reaction in that regard? Uh, or what did they, what did the capitalists want the state to do? They wanted them to provide, uh, you know, tariff protections. So tr- for in some fucking magic way. You know, negotiate with other countries to not get tariffs on their products, um, you know, on ex on imports for you know into other countries, and then secondly, they wanted them to provide them with subsidies, so government contracts, um, and then they wanted tax exemptions. So how the fuck do you, how do you even fund that? Because it's the same concept. You have to go. We all have all our taxes go back into one account, and with that account, we fund our we fund our society. But guess what? Right now, in the current capitalist system, and back then, in the Italian Parliament. How do they fund these tariff uh, protections, these massive subsidies, these tax exemptions? They're they're pretty much like holes, right? And so these holes in the accounts have to be filled. Well, obviously they're not being filled by the rich capitalists, so they're being filled by us. Mm-hmm. 
the working masses. And so that's what was happening back then. It's what's been happening ever since the creation of the system. Uh, you know, that's why we have these constant situations of crises like they did in Italy. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Even with all this, uh, you know, uh, you know, the working masses, uh, you know, had still, uh, even though they had their wa uh, their wages heavily rolled back and the social welfare cut, you know, the social programs, um, you know, they still were. The government was still met with resistance. They couldn't pass all the reforms that these fucking capitalists were wanting. So, the workers and the peasants, uh, you know, had their own co-ops. They had their own political organizations, their newspapers, uh, you know, their own trade unions. Um, and they were able to resist all these things, uh, you know, through the use of demonstrations, the use of sh strikes, which at the time were illegal, by the way. They made it into law that you could not strike. So laws don't mean shit, okay? Obviously, first and foremost. So demonstrations, strikes, boycotts, they forcibly took over farmland and forcibly took over factories to ensure that they would get paid more. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's some real shit. And so that's, I think those techniques are honestly so revolutionary and I think they need to be implemented more. Um, you know, they want good wages, they want good working conditions and benefits and the right to organize. Even during this time, uh, you know, uh, where fascism wasn't fully on the rise yet, but, um, you know, it hadn't taken state power yet. And so they were still able, there, were, there was still some leeway. But that's where fascism com comes into play. Right. So, you know, after after saying all that, Right. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so pretty much it's just to say that the only solution was to smash the work and worker and peasant organizations using fascist methods. Oh, I just don't understand your thoughts. That's okay, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's really what they they did. That's the essence of fascism, right? To crush anything by force. That's that's one of the, the main things of fascism, to use violence to use force and and any way that it's necessary to to use it to to sub to submit the people it's the primary choice of it's the primary communication method is violence it's not like they're trying to out here like trying to convince you to not strike no they're gonna go fuck you up and that's how you're gonna stop striking that's literally how they do it right exactly and and i mean Mussolini did a good good job on that really like he 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 just destroyed everything and and like it just like going back to the beginning quote right like he that's how he convinced a lot of like other people to join him because people saw that well fuck they this place got destroyed like this this worker this strike was destroyed i guess i'd rather join him than beat him if you can't beat him join him yeah pretty much and uh you know at that point like when when it's not even right at this point it's not even like a full c government takeover this is still during the very fact when they're on the rise to power and only on on the rise to power is um like once they've secured powers at that point you know all political and civil liberties are destroyed just because the fascist state will use those methods upon you if you don't want to cooperate in their government then they're going to fucking put you in jail beat you up or murder you and that's going to be the cops or and you know officially uh, and for example, Nazi Germany, that would have been the SS. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and the main difference is in terms of like the whole, uh, you know, opposition and, uh, you know, violence um, is just like it's not in a self-defense way. You know, like w when it comes to violence, um, 
personally, at least in my you know my comments position, is the fact that you should only use it in a self-defense way. It's not going to be your primary form of communication. But if you come at me, I'm gonna come at you. You know, that's pretty much like the main the, the main essence of it. Um, and you know, like even th either way, like I, I not that I'm here to you know completely hurt you either. You know, I'll, I'll just neutralize you and you move on. That's pretty much like the you know you try to make it as humane as possible when you're whenever you're acting that's pretty much what and whatever you're doing you're trying to make it as humane as possible even if it's fucking someone up you know you're not going to hear to you're not here to brutalize them or you know their their family or their people you're just it's mainly just for like i guess you know like utilitarian purposes like you're just trying to survive right and that's exactly the opposite of what the fascists fucking did they wanted to brutalize they wanted to cause terror Right. That's that's one of that's one of the things that they that's the way they control through terror. So, OK, so pretty much um, we got uh, so pretty much the Italian fascism was existed between officially between 1922 and 1943 until the people of Italy finally took over and hung Mussolini in the streets, mm -hmm. praised them, praised them. Ooh. But and then you have Nazism. Uh, which would have been Adolf Hitler, obviously, which everyone knows between 1933 and 1945. And then some also, and that's considered like a variant of Italian fascism, but still labeled under fascism. And some would also consider the Japanese uh, militaristic government at the time as well, uh, considering all this shit that they did in China, the Manchuria. Uh, yeah. that, that shit was brutal, man. Oh. They, they were brutal in, in during that war uh, and, you know, during their whole imperialist process. Uh, and then also the Francisco Franco movement in Spain, um, which eventually ended up in a civil war. And then, yeah, the fascist one, um, unfortunately. But, you know, the 80s happened and shit, I guess, and whatever changed. Um, and then there were also movements in Eastern Europe, Poland, Hungary, mm -hmm. um, Bulgaria, you know, and also movements in the Western industrial nations such as Great Britain, United States, you know, Spain, all those fucking European countries. They had fascist movements as well. Um, and so that's kind of indicative of, you know, the fact that if movements can grow there, there's a sign of a bigger problem. Uh, typically, a fascist movement doesn't gain good traction. If, you know, economically, socially, things are good. Um, it's really hard for them to get traction because, I mean, the fuck you have to be mad at. Um, but uh, also, pretty much during this time, uh, yeah, I mean, they were all open allies of Nazi Germany, uh, many Eastern European countries. I mean, just go look at the history books and it's not like, I, you know, um, they were living in these, like, fucking utop utopian democracies, you know, where everyone was fucking happy. No. You know, like, this is not how they were living. They were open, they're borderline proto-fascist societies at that time, and that's why they were open allies of the Nazis. And, of course, no single definition is going to satisfy everyone, but, you know what, this is our definition. So, uh, and as you can see, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we'll go through a, a bit of a characteristics of, you know, fascism, but in terms of the revolutionary sounding appeals back to that, you know, like this, this addressed the Nazi name, National Socialist German Workers Party, it's pretty left sounding fucking name, right? But that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to trick people to win broad support among the working, you know, the working classes, um, the working class. Um, and so, you know, they were pretty, but the Nazis were destroying working class organizations. They were destroying unions. They were destroying newspapers prior to taking state power and then officially when they took state power uh you know uh they uh they really went ham they executed a lot of people a lot of communists they killed them uh you know in their trials uh for example i think in in italy or in uh, italy in italy uh <laughs> yeah um like there was a bunch of there was like 300 and uh, there was like 22 trials 
over like 10 groups of socialist groups, 22 murder trials for socialist groups, uh, for like 10 socialist groups. And out of everyone involved for those murders, 22 murders, 30 people went to jail. Out of like 10 out of those people were executed. And then like, uh, like actually no, the majority of those people were executed. And then like the remaining amount had jail time for like 15 years. And then compared to the fascists, 354 murders, 324 were not prosecuted. Uh, like 30 of them, even though they pleaded guilty, didn't even go to jail. Um, and then, like, if those that did go to jail only stayed in jail for, like, four months. So, I mean, obviously the fucking fascist state fucking favors capital and those who protect its interests over the socialists who don't favor capital. Because we have to understand in the struggle, it's capital and labor. You're either going to support, you know, these capitalists, um, you know, and their interest to in their conquest of fucking power and money and, you know, accumulation. Because capitalism doesn't end. You don't stop at just owning one thing. You have to keep owning and owning and owning and owning and owning. Till you, there's nothing in to own. And then what do you do? Then you go to fucking space, apparently. Anyway, uh, you know, and so that's kind of what, you know, the the fascists did. They protect capitals, uh, you know, capital investments. They protected, uh, you know, private property, farm property of rich owners. They did all that shit. And they retaliated against workers and, their sh- and you know, the workers' wants. And so... Uh, yeah, it's just promised revolution without an actual revolution. It promised to solve a bunch of issues, but, you know, um, it used violence and terror to pretty much, uh, you know, protect the special interests of the few. And, you know, it promised a new order, a new nation, pretty much for the same old capitalist system. And so, you know, one of the few characteristics is that, you know, it glorifies the leader. There's a supreme leader, an all-knowing and all-guiding leader who, for some reason can embody the entire masses of people that are within his borders, within his personality. Right, yeah, I mean, um, that there's an excellent example right now in, in Hungary, um, the new the new neo-fascist group that's developing there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I was just watching this, this British lady, she was just going around and interviewing them, um, and she went up to just uh, a demonstrator there, and he was just saying that, yeah, you know, I, I believe this, you know, the... The, he what he was saying was just like yeah it's it's the Muslims' fault that we're that we have such a bad economy and 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 liberal and uh, neoliberalism that has destroyed this country and the only way to go is is to outlaw outlaw neoliberalism and outlaw immigration and think about ourselves and make Hungary great again again it goes back to that just saying making Hungary great again making ex country great again it's a false revolution and yeah and she's like she's she's you know, talking to him, and then all of a sudden, there two people come over and just stop the interview and say and tell him, in, and it's recorded, right? They're telling him you're not allowed to talk to anyone. The only people you're allowed to talk to is a supreme leader. So not even the demonstrators were allowed to talk. The only person that can give an interview is the, is the leader of the of their party, of their group, of their movement. Mm-hmm. So not even you can't even get any any real, any real, I guess opinion right quote-unquote opinion of how they feel because the only person that's that's valid is their leader yeah and so it's called the leader principle um and so yeah it just pretty much invests all their power that yeah for someone for whatever reason that they were just born the best you know and that's the that's the myth it's not a truth it's a myth that gets propagated and uh, it's a myth that they build around themselves uh, and so also it tends to glorify the nation state and, and uses it as a means to an end. 
it's like an absolute uh you know like an absolute like this is the best thing that we could have as a nation um and the individual doesn't matter as you just heard right so imagine that group saying okay you can't talk to the leader and you can't do anything outside the leader unless the leader says now imagine that being your whole country oh wait kind of sounds like america anyway um Anyway, so that's pretty much what's happening. Everything in the state, everything for the state, nothing outside the state. That was Mussolini's and Hitler's slogan. And so Rudolf Hess, one of leaders, uh, one of not leaders, what of fucking Hitler's, uh, like you know henchmen, whatever, fucking people who knew him. A lot of his one quote that he says: "Germany is Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler is Germany." So he combines the glorification of the leader and the glorification of the nation on one. And so that's a lot of that shit is, uh, you know, one of the key components. So right now, what is what is what is the current state of things? We're trying to make America great again. Right. Once our nation is great again, we're going to be all right. That is that is that's when we're going to all of a sudden be OK. Whatever the fuck that means. Right. Like whatever the fuck that means of making America great again. I don't fucking know. If you can think, think back to a time wherever America was great again, I will assure you it was fucking not that's all white settler colonialism myths, man. Seriously. And uh, we need to stop perpetuating because whatever they think is great was not great for anyone for anyone that didn't look like them. Um, and so pretty much another. Sorry. No, uh, so I just wanted to point that the difference also one of the big differences between Mussolini's fascism and not and Hitler's fascism was the big issue on race. Mm-hmm. Right. So um uh, Hitler emphasized and used right the race card. I guess race card. I guess I don't know why I chose that phrase, but race as like the the, re- the, the reason blood. the special blood and race the reason why Germany was great and why everyone else was subordinate. Which is funny because uh, Hitler actually called the Italians mongrels, but they still ended up uniting. That's funny. Mussolini did not like that very much being called a mongrel, but. He did. Uh, like he believed that you know, blue, blue, blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they just worked together because they had similar ideals. I think when it push came to shove, if they were the only two people left in the world, they would have fucked each other up. You know, so it's not like they were like the best of friends. They only worked together because they had the same interests. Um, and then third, uh, another characteristic is a glory of like military conquest or imperialism. Uh, the state is you know revitalized somehow and empowered by conquering other peoples. By, you know, going to their countries and smashing and taking over their land and incorporating into yours. And somehow the, you know, that helps the state. It helps the people. It helps the masses of people and better their lives. By, extract, and by it d- extracting surplus value from the people they just conquered. That. And then also uh, a lot of these rich capitalists needed somewhere to send their shit. They're making all this stuff and they don't have people to sell it to. So they have, they just have accumulating, accumulating. They have a bunch of stuff. And so... What do they need to do? They didn't want to do it peacefully, democratically. No, they wanted their government to take their military and go and invade other countries, take that space that they invaded, and then use that to send their products to make more money. That is literally what happens. What happened back then in Italy, what happened in Germany, that was the main reason why they even wanted to continue expanding. And that happens right now in capitalism. It just doesn't happen directly in your face. Now, there's a whole little nice little veil covered over it. But guess what? 2006 in Iraq, guess what? Apparently, we had fucking WM. They had WMDs, right? Psych. They didn't have shit. They didn't have no fucking bombs. Um, they didn't have any bombs of any high you know, caliber that, was gonna, that were going to hurt us whatsoever. 
and then we go and start a war. We demol we destroy their country. And key note here, this is how I know it's for capital investment. We took their native stock seeds, meaning the first seed they had of all their plants in their country in the in like a little safe. Our military, the U not our, okay, it's not my fucking military. The US military fucking burned their seeds, got rid of all of them, and then they gave them Monsanto fucking seeds. And now they're saying you can't use any other seeds besides my Mon fucking Santo seeds. Guess what? What happens here in America? Farmers in America get extra money for using Monsanto seeds with fucking subsidies. Where do those subsidies come from again, people? From our taxes. So guess what? We're pretty much sustaining this fucking economy. There is no free market. There's never been a free market. It's all sustained synthetic markets. And they fucking know it. But that was, sorry. Anyway, that was more of a rant, but that was the that was the imperialism part of it. Um, and then, obviously, like I mentioned, there's the xenophobia and racism. Uh, Hitler said, you know, with the special blood, one people, one state, one leader. That was his. Uh, that was his phrase. One people being one blue-eyed, blonde-haired people. You know, the Aryan people. Um, you know, there was like a special blood. They they had like many many cults around bunch of weird shit. The Nazis were into a bunch of weird shit, man. Don't even get me going. But and they had uh, they had a hatred of other people's nationalities, which um, you know at that time. And who are the two biggest uh, uh, enemies of the capitalist class? Well, other foreign capitalists, uh, you know, who want to penetrate their economies, who are you know kind of fucking them over in the long run. Um, and so, in this sense, and uh, at least in uh, Germany, the Jew was seen as a perpetrator of all that is, you know, sick and wrong in society. Mm-hmm. In Germany, you know, the trade unionists—they were Jews. The communists—they were Jews. The socialists—they were Jews. Um, all the people who pretty much were against, uh, against or in contradiction of capital, they were Jews. You know, and they were the enemy. In in Italy, they just, uh, you know, they went after the communists and fascists. Um, and then, you know, enough was enough, you know, after, you know, getting rid of enough of them, the people, you know, were like, fuck that, you know, we're going to go hang you. And so luckily, you know, they got rid of it, but in in Germany, obviously it wasn't, wasn't quite the case. No, no, it was not, not, not to under-exaggerate, not to under-exaggerate, but I don't know where I was going. I mean, it definitely seems reminiscent of like people blaming all the immigrants right now. Uh, whether you're an immigrant here, you know, in America, you're you're blaming Latin Americans, typically mainly Mexicans. Uh, and right now, obviously, with the caravan, it's the you know the Central Americans, and you know they're they're accusing them of bringing all these fucking being drug dealers and rapists, and then also taking their job. It's like how the fuck, how they also how are they both how they're gonna be drug dealers and rapists and then also take your job. I don't know. Right, like how is someone lazy but also stealing your job? Like, make that make sense. Yeah, I don't know, right? And so, like, that's we have to understand all this shit is rhetoric. It's not, it's not actual physical. It doesn't mean shit. It's just rhetoric, and it's, it's fear to control people's minds to get them to act in a certain way. And in this regard, in Germany, it was to get them to react against the Jews. In Italy, it was against him to get in reaction against you know the communists um, and whatnot. But the thing is, in Italy, it was so much harder, uh, just because you know they. It's not like the left was strong enough to do anything in your country, obviously. Uh, for like a long period of time, but you know, like that mentality definitely. Um, I guess I don't know. Didn't go that s- as far, you know, because I feel like they did hate foreigners, but it wasn't like one specific group of people. 
like in Germany? No, they hated everyone. They hated, you know, the Jews. They hated Jewish people. They hated um, gypsies. They hated, well, not gypsies. Let let me backtrack because Romany Romany people, I apologize. Romany people, and I I say Romani, but I'm sure it's Romany, but Romany people and the Slavs, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, God. They hated the Slavs. Slavic people. Who had also a fascist uprising as well, and united, but that's that's neither here or there, I guess. In their in their heads, that's neither here nor there. But um, but yeah, I mean that they rose to power, and uh, had their asses handed to them by uh, yours truly, uh, Yosef, Yosef Stalin, Yo- Joey Steele, my boy Joey Steele. He came through and. And uh, knocks knocks shit around. I love that man. Okay, and the part that most historians don't like to get to is opposition to labor and such movements. So any opposition to any left egalitarian class movement and philosophy such as socialism, communism, anarchism, uh, social democracy. Uh, also along with uh, they were opposed to trade unions, labor parties, and other working class organizations. So whether you had a radio or newspaper, yeah, you were getting smashed. Um, pretty much, typically only the first uh, four things that we just mentioned, you know, the xenophobia, glory of, of the military conquest or imperialism, uh, the nation state, you know, glory of, you know, the nation being supreme, and then also the glorification of the leader. Those are typically the only things that historians talk about, and they always forget to leave out the, you know, the fifth, the thing that we just said, being in opposition to labor and movements and other such uh, working class movements. And why is that? Well, because fascism and fucking capitalism are so intertwined. They're fucking brother. It's like, dude, it's like brother and sister. I don't even know what to tell you, man. It's just like, or it's like Pikachu to write you. You know, it's just like. You leave Pikachu alone. Okay, I don't want to come for Pikachu's neck or anything. But like, it's just like, you know what I mean? It's like a, it's more evolved. It's like the more barbaric version of fucking capitalism. Um, You know. Right, to quote Rosa Luxemburg, who was. Uh, setting up stri- strikes before the, the before seeing all this, right? Mm-hmm. She she said socialism or barbarism, and we fucking know exactly where capitalism leads to bar- literal barbarism. Yeah, and uh, you know, like I think, I think uh, you know, with this whole like opposition to labor, people really need to get more into that, just because um, they typically only talk about it from the centrist point of view. And uh, they always ignore, you know, the links between the fascism and capitalism and always just like how they always ignore criticism of capitalism, uh, you know, especially, when, you know, obviously when there's nothing good to say, they ignore it. Um, you know, they focus on the irrational parts of fascism. You know, how the fuck did Hitler get all these masses of people to do this and that? And, uh, you know, how did he get people to fall in line? But, you know, they never want to focus on like the rational functions. You know, it was an instrument for class domination, for preserving capitalism. That's what it literally was for. Literally, function. Yeah. Um, shit. All right. So I mean, fascism always lead. Capitalism always leads to fascism. Always, one hundred percent, all the time. Ca- fascism is just capitalism in decay. Damn. It's used. It's used. Yeah. Word. But yeah, I mean, honestly. Um, if you don't know, now you know. And so, those are some of the key components of fascism. I mean. Realistically, if we're going to talk about our modern day and time, I mean, let's talk about 
Uh, let's just talk about Trump. I mean, obviously, that's the easiest one to talk about just because he's the most obvious one. Uh, I don't. I personally wouldn't call Trump a fascist. Sure, he does spill fas- fascist rhetoric. However, he just spills it because he's frightened. I don't think he's he's a fascist because he has not enacted, quote unquote, enacted anything he has said that is remotely that's close to fascism. Nor has he really propelled himself with saying fascist things. Not like not like Bolsonaro has, right? Like or like, like we, straight up killing people, right? Like I don't know, bro. I think he's like borderline there. Like he's like proto. He's like proto fascist. No, no, I'm not saying he he's not. I'm just I'm just saying he. I he's wouldn't like full blown. You mean? Yeah, he's like not chub fascist. Yeah, he he definitely says fascist things. Like I'm not denying that. However, the anti-bourgeois rhetoric that he uses is like typical of all fascists, but they don't go against to, against the bourgeoisie because they typically are members of the bourgeoisie. Uh, for Trump, like, why the fuck would he go against capitalists? I mean, he's a fucking capitalist. Exactly, but yeah, I just there's just I don't know. He's just he's he's small compared to the great white that great whites that there are. But I think he has a veil though. That's the pr- that's the point though. He has the the veil of the American state, and whether it's indirect, he's. I mean, like, yeah, it might not be him, like. I don't know. Like I understand what you're saying, but like at the end of the day, like he's out here ordering children to be put in cages. He's no, no, I'm not denying anything he's saying that is not fascist. I'm just saying he's just not at a high level. Correct. Okay, I see what you mean. I, like a Bolsonaro, yeah. And go ahead with Bolsonaro. Like that, that motherfucker. Where do I start? I just want to say that if I had 30 seconds with him in a room, I would be bathed. In his blood. That's all I want to say. Like he just is. Like first off, he has he has this big anti-trans rhetoric that he's that he's spewing. Right. That's that's the scapegoat really. Um, for for Bolsonaro is the LGBTQ community, and the P the PM no the PT the Workers Party of, of uh, of Brazil. The two biggest uh, scapegoats. The two biggest scapegoats. The LGBTQ community and specifically trans folks, but the LGBTQ community and the PT, the Workers Party of of Brazil, who post post um, post uh, dictatorship, right? The twenty one year dictatorship that they had, they they uh, um, they liberal liberals co opted that and all revolutionary. Shit went down the drain. It's fucking I mean, usual. There's a fucking reason we're seeing these movements rise everywhere, people. It's because the world is going into decay. We fucking have 12 fucking years to fucking save this planet or major climate catastrophes fucking inevitable. We're not the only people in the world that know that. And the rest of the people in the world know that. And actually, two-thirds of the fucking world is either hungry or fucking starving. And if we're considering that fucking aspect, yeah, I mean, the thing that has driven society, unfortunately, for the past thousand years, um, has mainly been violence. And I think that's partially, like, why it's... not. I'm not trying to, like, accuse people of, like, being so ready to be fascist, but realistically, like, why people tend to fall in line, I think, is, you know, like, that kind of violence being a primary mode of communication for, like, such a long time. You know, like, if we look at, like, European colonization, how did, how did these countries rise and fall? How did they grow? Through violence. 
you know romans they conquered they enslaved people they went to war and uh you know so did the people they were fighting i mean the, if we're considering like the gauls or the goths they're just trying to do the same thing they're trying to secure a uh, land for you know sustainability to f feed their tribe uh you know they're just not as huge as the roman fucking city and so like that's pretty much the same issue you know not having enough food not having enough water not having enough shelter is the same issue that we've never fucking solved especially not under capitalism um and it's not like we can't do shit you know uh but yeah i, I don't know i mean realistically right now with bolsonaro uh he's the only country right now that stocks did well and that's a fucking sign he that's a sign of investment into further uh I, I assume fascist methods just like how in uh, nazi germany uh you know they were in, in in fascist italy uh you know they were being supplied and uh you know funded by the rich capitalists well guess what now we have a bunch of rich capitalists all over the fucking world and they all get together in a fucking room and they discuss how they're gonna fucking make more money they literally do that don't even fucking talk to me wto what the fuck that is world trade organization that's literally probably what that is not even probably. I know that's what that is. World Trade Organization is bullshit. Go read on it. Anyway, point being, if he's the only country with with stocks doing well, that means that capital is only going to make more money. It's about to make more money. Right, and like he's called, he has called for the deforestation, the, deforestation, the doxing of, of teachers. Um, like right now, if you're a teacher and you're somewhat leftist, mm -hmm. you are fired. You will not have a job. You won't be able to get a job. You're just you're just asking for a, a death sentence. Like he has called on for his followers to go look for leftist teachers and kill them. Um, he has done it as well to the LGBTQ community. You know, if you see someone who's LGBTQ plus, you go into the streets and you fuck them up. You 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 kill them. Um, right. And and he's he wants to build a bigger bigger um bigger police department he wants more police out there killing people like the the number of deaths that there were in brazil last year was five thousand plus and like it's just he's just god sick and he and he doesn't consider himself a fascist at all when people ask him do you consider yourself a fascist he says no of course fucking not God, what kind of stupid question you know. I know, right? Like, you're just going to call yourself a fucking fascist right now? When I mean, unless you're Mussolini. Yeah, but that was new, you know? Right, right now we're in an age where fascism obviously has a negative connotation. But, you know, these centrist news organizations don't give a fuck, dude. Why? Because co fascism is cozy with capitalism. It's always centrism. So they're all in the same fucking vicinity, you know? Like, they don't... Centrists just feel like they have to give a, a fucking voice to everyone. That's a stupid question. I mean, not a stupid question, but like, um, what? Not, not the word stupid was the word. I don't know. It's just like for me, it just seems like a, a logical question to ask because it's like, why? It's like asking a serial killer, "Hey, do you kill people for fun?" Huh. You know, they're not gonna fucking tell you. And so, I don't know. In that regard, it's just I feel like that was not a good question to ask. I mean, realistically, you know, with everything, I mean. You know, like let's look at let's look at the Philippines and what Brazil can become, and even back in the history. But right now, look at the Philippines. I mean, do do Duarte, right? Duterte. Duterte. Uh, him over there. What is his tactics for dealing with people who use drugs? Straight up fucking murdering them. He does not even give a fuck about rehab. Does not care about your well-being. He just would rather kill you, um, especially if you're a drug dealer as well. 
Um, you know, he's not going to consider your economic situation. He's not going to consider the fuck you're doing. He would just kill you. And same thing with the communists over there and that struggle over there. You know, they're, they're waging a war against the government currently. Um, and yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there is obviously violence on both sides, but there's just general disregard for human life. Um, you know, mainly coming from Duterte and that just comes from a philosophy of law and order. That's the huge thing about fucking Nazism. Uh, you know, is the, the fake, oh, well, not even fake. Cause I mean, there is law and order, right? But it's very repressive. And so like, it's not like these laws are like fucking great. Right. These laws aren't, aren't just like. Like they, they pretend to be. No, they, they, there's getting in trouble for any reason inside of a fascist country will get you killed. There's no doubt about it. Like the criminalization of just being LGBTQ, right? That, that gets you killed. The criminalization of being a teacher with any left tendency will get you killed. Mm-hmm. Being a worker will literally get you killed if you're part of any, any union will get you killed. Right. He wants to uh, outlaw unions. He wants to um, just just be God, just tyrannical. Um, and he and the, the thing is that Bolsonaro has has the support of the army. Like that's he has the support of he he. Yeah. The courts, the police, the army, they all fucking support them. Yeah. And like he, he even said if he didn't win. He would use military force. Like he he wanted another coup d'état. He wanted another military um, dictatorship, like there was after the uh, before the nineties, right? Like, and this whole law and order rhetoric is not to like fucking uh, you know like try to get people to be better and like all this stuff and work together and cooperate. No, it's literally just to fucking uh, you know set the guidelines to yeah you know like just to. Um, you know, like, these laws aren't just, they're pretty much meant to serve capital. And so they're going to be uh, based around that. So if you, you know, for example, in Nazi Germany, and Italy, uh, the right to strike was outlawed. The right to organize was outlawed. Um, you know, the right to pretty much even talk about anything like leftist related uh, in the workplace was, you know, you'd fucking get fired. You'd probably get thrown in jail uh, for even trying to conspire, anything like that. Even try to organize, even try to propagandize, you know, you'd, you'd be fucked up. And either killed or thrown in jail. Yeah, and I mean, the thing about this time around is we don't have a Soviet Union to bail us out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we really don't. And that's that's what people don't get. And that's what, we're, that's what we really need to address, honestly, at this point. It's just, like, the misconceptions of, like, fascism and communism. And, like, how people think this is, like, a horseshoe theory of, like, political spectrum. Like, fuck the horseshoe theory. It's not a horseshoe, okay? It's a fucking line. Okay, we're not even close on the same fucking spectrum. Uh, I understand the quote authoritarian, but let's 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 talk about the power dynamics in a in a fascist country versus a socialist country. So in a fascist country, you're gonna have an authoritarianism, but it's gonna be serving capital interests. So just like it did in Germany, you know they wanted military expansionism because the capitalists needed somewhere to make money off of, and the military would have been a great place to do that. Um, and so that pretty much funded that. There's a bunch of, uh, you know, anti-labor laws that went into place. And so, like, we can see the manifestation of, you know, favoring capitalism. And the fact is that majority of the people in the factories who own these factories, these capitalists, at the end of the day, I mean, they didn't have to do what the planned economy said in Nazi Germany. And they wouldn't get in trouble. 
they could literally go and make and sell and sell anywhere without the permission of the government and not get in trouble because that's who the, that's who fucking funded the government at the time that's how that's those are the people who literally put the people you know the nazis in power and so of course they're going to be able to get away with whatever they want but not the workers of course never the workers right and so um there's the authoritarianism pro capital there's class collaboration the classes there are they acknowledge the class struggle they acknowledge the working class but they say hey like you need to forget your class and you need to worry about the nation fuck you as an individual worry about the nation and literally people did they they you know they followed through but those who didn't you know um they got moved around some people didn't you know people had to work overtime without promise of pay consistently if you didn't like that you were probably jailed uh, you know, if you didn't like your, even if you did, if you liked your job and you got moved around, you didn't have any say in it, um, whatsoever. And this is not what the life in the Soviet Union was like whatsoever. I mean, this is not gonna be. This is not what fucking you know these communist con- uh, you know countries were like. It's particularly the Soviet Union, uh, since that's the the biggest one that people want to focus, especially under Stalin. Um, and so I don't know what you want to. I mean, we can make a whole podcast on Stalin, and we probably will. So, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. Like, let's, America wants to sit around and pretend like they were the ones who came in in their shiny red spandex underwear with their cap flying around in the back. That they saved the world from fascism. When it's not even fucking true. These motherfuckers ended up coming into the war fucking last minute or com- how much was left of the war when the americans came in like what eight to six months left of the fucking war 1941 no two years three years like four years four y- f- fucking ever that doesn't matter the <laughs> point is that soviet blood has been has been spilling since the beginning like that's true and the nazis wanted to go eastward that's actually one of the main reasons they were supported is because the nazis wanted to crush soviet russia Literally, fuck. The Italian fa- fascists were called, uh, uh, fuck, I don't even know, like, um, the United Front Against Bolshevism, which was the Soviet Union. Bolsheviks were the ones who took power and established the Soviet Union, established the first socialist fucking country in the world, and the Nazis were in the fucking plan, and at least in uh, Mein Kampf. Hitler wrote that he wanted to expand eastward and fucking crush the Soviet Union. Yeah, because he saw cause he saw all that land as like land that belonged to Germans. Like he saw that land as that where he he didn't he just saw them the Soviet people as subordinates and lower beneath them, inhumane, and like like just just think a little right. Like the amount of of actual like. Blood sh- can you can you pull up those numbers? Like how much how much Soviet lives were lost during the Battle of Stalingrad and just the, all those battles on the Eastern Front? Like so many lives were lost, millions of lives were lost. It wasn't just one million lives, one million people that died. It was like I, I want to say yeah, upwards like twenty five and like thirty two million people, Soviet people, and that's including soldiers, civilians, women and children. Yeah, that's just not just soldier lives. It's literal people, people's lives, right? That died, and and that's fuck the Western powers because they Stalin asked for help on the Eastern Front so many fucking times, and they said no. 
Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you and your fucking. What what's that fucking prime minister's name of fucking oh, UK? Winston Winston Churchill. Fuck you, Winston Churchill. He fucking he knew he was so glad he didn't give a fuck about what's going on the Eastern Front because it was Soviet lives that were that were being killed. Because it was Soviet li- lives on the line. He didn't give a fuck. He was like, good as long as they're killing themselves, I don't care what's happening. But but the moment you know. Um, Hitler and Hitler goes back on on the pact that they that he did with the with the with the UK. It's it's all like okay yeah you know what Stalin thanks thanks for thanks for telling us Stalin that this was going on thank you like they really they just were like fuck you Stalin you never told us about this like fucking assholes and like the amount of Soviet lives that were lost and and the Soviet Union is responsible for like beating like eighty percent. Fuck um, yeah. And during that whole war, dude, the Soviets were hella unleashing fucking rage on the Germans, bro. And the Germans had more soldiers in the East than they did in the fucking West. For that very reason, because they knew Soviet Soviet Russia at the time, or the Soviet Union wasn't just Russia, but, uh, you know, the Soviet Union um, was a fucking powerhouse, dude. They were literally going from a third world country to a fucking first world superpower. All thanks to that man, Joseph Stalin. Boy Joey Steele. The boys. Um, and so, realistically, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it was a threat for one. Um, and they didn't mind. I mean, a lot, this is, this is the fucking worst part of it all. This is how you know the Soviets were doing more. They had better quality of the fucking medicine than the, the British and the Americans. They had more medicine out there per the amount of, uh, you know, soldiers that they had than the Americans and the Western allies. And, Matter of fact, the fucking Western allies were surprised as hell to find that shit out because they, all they hear is propaganda of how the Soviet Union is bad, how the Soviet Union is just a, a, a few select people controlling the masses, right? Dude, talk about the fucking lie closest to the truth. Dude, that is literally our country, not the Soviet Union. And that's what the people in power want you to fucking think. They want you to think that our current situation is... It's not happening. It happened in another country, and I should feel grateful to not be living in that situation. But you need to fucking wake up, people, is that you fucking are. You are. You live in that situation. We're born in that situation. And if we don't do anything, you're probably going to die in that situation. I mean, yeah. That's 100% true. And, like, people want to say, like, oh, Stalin was authoritarian and had all this power, which is not even true. Like... Please go study study some fucking Soviet history that's not just from fucking America. Like, I just want to say that, um, just to show that Stalin didn't want power, this just proves that Stalin didn't want power, he tried to resign from the position four times. Just putting that out there. Stalin tried to remo- remove himself from the from, from it. He said, this, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. Get someone else that can do a better job than this. Because he... he that just sounds he didn't have faith in himself because there was just so much going on, right? He has a fucking war going on in his hands. He's still trying to pull this country out of a feudal... All your work, all your labor goes to feed the fucking noble aristocracy. And then, yeah, they abolished that system. They abolished it. But the thing is, the technology, the industry, the things that we have now that people don't even really realize affect our entire world didn't necessarily exist 100% there and now they do mainly because of him a lot of the infrastructure the left in russia today 
It's from the Stalin era. Yeah. Yeah, he made sure that country industrialized quickly because he knew that's the only way they could catch up and win the war. So you're industrializing a country. You're fighting a war. You're fighting also an internal war that we can get into in another time. And like... And suddenly you're the fucking bad guy for winning the fucking war? I'm sorry. Like... Are we just going to forget that the Japanese also invaded the Soviet Union? Because people love to forget about that one. I'm sorry, is Manchuria not a, not a place that exists on a map? Like, <sighs> like I, I, what pisses me off is that people remember apparently all this fake shit that Stalin did, but they can never remember the shit that their own country did. They can never remember the shit that America did, like dropping a fucking bomb on Japan unnecessarily just oh to fucking flex. Uh, you know what? We're going to get to that into very quickly. That I know this is deriving from the point. So the war is coming to an end, right? The I think I think Italy at this point is just gone, right? Italy Mussolini is is he's, is, he's hanging from from the from the pole outside of the of the Capitol building. Right? He's he's been lynched at this point. Um uh Hitler is losing on the eastern front. Right, he's 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 doing the last bits that he can to to try and and win the war, but he's not winning the war at all. He's 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 backed up into a corner. The Japanese are just like don't know what to do anymore, um, right? Because they they were mainly fighting fighting the U.S. and and the Soviet Union. So they so what happens now is that the Japanese, seeing that all this is happening, that they're losing, they say, okay, fine. We we will sign. Uh, we will surrender. We'll surrender, and but 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 the condition was for the surrender that they wanted the Soviet Union to regulate the surrender. They wanted the Soviet Union to regulate um, how how the treaties went and how everything was was uh, going to be broken up. But they all, the second part of that condition was they wanted to keep their emperor. So the U.S knowing that the, that the the Japanese wanted the Soviet Union to to mediate and wanting their, to keep their emperor they knew the US knew that the the Soviet Union was going to be like nah fuck you and your emperor y'all are uh, y'all don't have an emperor y'all are not going into cap- capitalism y'all are adopting socialism first off um so they knew that was going to happen so they so they couldn't allow that they could not allow the the Japanese to to enter socialism they couldn't allow more socialism spreading, right? Especially not to the. East. Especially not Mao to was, the Mao was fucking leading a good front at the time as well against the Japanese. It was, uh, you know, with that front. Uh, so during this time in China, there's a front. There's the Kuomintang and there's the Communist Front, the United uh, Front against fascism. And so realistically, during that time, China's kicking Japan's ass at the same time. And so. China is getting close to becoming the first, right, the first Asian socialist state yep. uh, country uh, around that time. And so, yeah, they're getting real fucking close. And so they don't want another red country in the in the East, so to speak. No, they don't. So what does the good old USA do? Um, they fucking create a bomb because they heard the, U- the, the Nazis were creating a, a bomb. So they scrambled and created one. They create one, and they created two, actually. Two, and they drop them. 
knowing will knowing knowing that the Japanese are ready to surrender and what's the lie that you were told that the only way to get the Japanese to surrender was to drop the fucking bomb which was this which is not true at all it's that's based off some some sick disgusting orientalist shit some racist shit saying that the Japanese like all Asians don't surrender they will fight to the very last the very last breath so they drop the bombs and i mean the U- the USSR is obviously taken aback like what the fuck just happened right like they uh, they they during that time that's just getting into a lot of the nitty gritty um which we can do later. We, we can do later in episodes, but the Soviet Union knew that they had built the bombs. They didn't know the extent of what those bombs can do, but they also scrambled to create to create those bombs, and then that leads over it that bleeds over into the to, into the Cold War. But that's not what we're talking about now. But so the Soviet Union is just taken aback, like what the fuck just happened? And the Japanese keep their emperor and become capitalists and the best buds of the United States. And so, yeah, pretty much we're just dealing with uh, the shells of all these former fascist countries now refilling those shells again. Uh, Which is funny because, like, historically thinking, I don't World War One never really ended, right? It, it ended with, like, the Treaty of Versailles or whatever you want to say, but hostilities stayed. Exactly, and then, like... I feel like, especially Americans, uh, the way the uh, the way they view it's it's all market oriented. So they fucking view history as like this short thing. They view time as like this short thing. It's very like in the moment. So like ten years for them is like fucking a long time, dude. That's nothing in this fucking span of history. When we talk about Romans and all their wars, dude, they fought these wars like fifty years apart sometimes, and that they they still carry that fucking shit around. And so that's what I'm saying, dude, is, like, these tensions don't just fucking disappear overnight, especially when people have to live with the realities of the treaties. And it's not like this shit's just on paper. Like, oh, we just ended the war, and people went their separate ways. No, like, people had to make concessions. People lost shit. They lost land, like, in Italy. So that's why they were fucking mad. And so, like, it's a fucking irrational thing because it's all based around fucking nationalism and borders, which have fucking grown and changed over time, which we know are imaginary. Because it's all dependent on the fucking situation. But, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a fucking ridiculous thing. And that's why when we talk about the U.S., I mean, it's hard not to call this country fascist at times just based on their tactics. I mean, Japan was a, you know, kind of a do first, act, think later type of deal. You know, we didn't consider the consequences of what dropping the bomb would have been. Um, even if we did, we didn't give a fuck. So, I mean, if that's not barbaric as fuck, I don't know what is. You know, the fact that you dropped a bomb on civilians, first of all, it wasn't like a military location. It was on civilians. Okay, that's women, children, mothers, fathers, your brothers, your sisters. That could have been you. It could have been anything. You could have been walking your fucking dog, and next thing you know, you got a fucking bomb dropped on you. Think about that. Because people don't think about that. All they do is read the text in their book, and then they fucking forget about it. But if you want fucking... This shit to fucking change. We need to start feeling what these words are saying and trying to visualize yourself there because otherwise you just aren't going to go fuck. Yeah, I mean, the main gist of it is just the Soviet Union led a huge anti-fascist front. They were leading that fight 
to smash fascism, right? Like, uh, the 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 Western powers didn't give a fuck to later in the game mm-hmm. when when they were being when they when they were attacked. Yeah, I mean, realistically, if you want a lot of this information, study Michael Parenti, particularly around World War One, and particularly around fascism. And you know, he does a bunch, a bunch of stuff uh, on fascism, especially around World War One. Uh, he does a ton of information that you know we don't get in our our textbooks. You know, we get real history from this guy. Uh, you know, and we get to know the real consequences, the real uh, you know decision making. We get all the facts, and that's not what we're getting currently in your textbook. Obviously, if you want, if we one day want to go and sit down and do this, we can. I don't need to fucking, you know, I, I don't feel like it needs explaining that our, t- our history textbooks don't contain the truth or at least, you know, or they contain partial truths, partial truths or, you know, like white lies and myths. Right. So, I mean, I hope this was pretty educational. We ranted a lot. Yeah. But, uh, I mean,. I I think the gist of what fascism is has been is is now knowledge to anyone that's to everyone that's listening to this. So, I mean, we'll be coming up with more podcasts soon. Let us know what you'd like to hear. I mean, I don't know. You guys can end up deciding what you want to hear. Um. Yeah, Patreon. dot com slash bread for the proletariat. Go ahead and. uh donate it'll help a lot to a lot of different projects that we're doing um specifically like for the homeless that's what we'll be focusing on so you'll be helping a lot um can't think of anything else. yeah i mean yeah fascism yeah yeah i guess i don't know i don't really know what else to add about fascism you know i guess at the end of the day you know just keep in mind that Capitalism and fascism, they're they're very close. I mean, it's just like a watered-down version. You know, there's more democracy because people have resisted and those those democratic powers and forces haven't been removed yet. Uh, but they can, always, they can always be. And we shouldn't forget that because, uh, you know, this type of barbarism and people, you know, like when people talk about like the Holocaust and all the atrocities, they always say people could have never predicted that. And that's something we always need to remember. We can never predict this kind of atrocities ever. And, you know, right now we're in an age where we have technology and we have all this stuff. And, you know, you need to stop believing the shit you learn in high school. Because the shit you learn in high school serves a purpose. And that is to serve the capitalist class. is to make you an obedient worker who doesn't challenge anything, who doesn't question anything, and who isn't free thinking. You're just a fucking parrot or you're a fucking machine. Or, you know, you're a cog in the machine and... Guess what? When one car goes haywire, it's not that hard to replace it. It's pretty much what I would take away from that. Is to remember that, uh, yeah, we're just on the brink. We're always on the brink, especially under capitalism. If you don't want to be on the brink anymore, start advancing socialism. Yeah, true. 100. Well, we'll end this here. Um, Again, follow, up, follow our Patreon. Donate to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash bread for the proletariat follow us on facebook on uh red lotus collective. yes red lotus collective um this will be on soundcloud i'll try to figure out how to get this out on itunes so we can put links um and thank you for listening it is time it is time it is time
It's a war on the hood. The Democrats and Republicans both up to no good. They both got in bed with the multinationales. They sending us to prison instead of sending us to college. The janitor's mop can't clean the situation when the dictator of our nation is called a corporation. Swear to God, my mama never supported Obama. I'm a Chicago riot starter like a Haymarket martyr. I'd rather focus on the streets, organizing the tribes. Go against the grain and know that I tried. I'm not into working backwards, I'm talking direct action. I'm talking fighting for freedom for the poor and working classes. I would work for reform. This is for my unborn. I'm putting on a ski mask and this weapon is drawn. Stop the bombs, cause I can't tell nobody who's hungry what to do. 